0: road to life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with pastor Mike Shepline and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit roadtolifechurch.com and we'll see you next week. Look, I'm not going to give you my title yet, but I'm going to give it to you a little bit down the tracks. Um, it, we're, we're going to start a new series today, but I want to just kind of set something up, In and that is this, that, you know, when, G, when Jesus came, one of the most profound things that he lived and he revealed was that God was relevant. He was fresh, that if we could put a name on it, he cared. God, he, he cared about people. And because of that, he could be trusted in everyday life. It wasn't just a religious segmented box of religion. Oh, this is my religion box, but then this is my personal life right over here. And he revealed that. He brought an understanding and a perspective that had never been seen, much less realized in those that were in the first century church, or we could say at, at that time. I don't think it's a lot different than today. You know, if, if, uh, I think if you were to look, if you were to ask a very simple question, what is God like? Jesus is the will of God in action. If you want to know what God's like, just look at Jesus. It says in John 1.18, it said, it, speaking of Jesus, it says nobody has seen God, his essence, his divine nature at any time. The one and only begotten God, that is the unique son who is in the intimate presence of the father. He has explained him and interpreted and revealed the awesome wonder of the father. Jesus was an exact expression. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. He is, God is just like Jesus. And you know, when he, when Jesus came, religion had relocated God to lists of do's and don'ts and I don't know what your background is but I was kind of raised in that where it was almost like you got a do list how many of you are with me but the don't list is like a hundred times bigger than the do list and so and they had relocated in the religious leaders of Jesus day so much believed that God was into lists that what they did is they took the ten commandments the original ten and then they came up with three hundred more more, that they called the traditions of the elders that then it was like when they talked about the Sabbath and they would come up with 10 more things that go along And because they just believed that God was into do's, he was into don'ts and that their relationship with God was based on all do's and all don'ts. And Jesus comes on the scene and he turns that thing upside down. And I wanna be clear, Jesus walked in the light and obeyed all the 10 commandments commandments, but all of the traditions and all of the stuff that he just kind of turned it upside down. And you just roll back and you look starting with his disciples. If you look at his disciples, I don't know how you are, but this is how my brain thinks. If you read the gospels, Jesus is walking along and there's two fishermen casting their nets and their dad's name is Zebedee. They have hired servants and Jesus turns to them and he says, come, and follow me. And the Bible says they left their nets immediately and followed Jesus. Peter did that. If you look at the disciples, three of them were entrepreneurs, three of them. And those were the three that became leaders. But now I'm just going to be super honest with you. They didn't really know who Jesus was. They knew he was a rabbi, but they 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 literally left their business. They left everything and they followed Jesus. And and the way that I am is I look at that and I'm like, those guys just left a family fishing business that had been in their family, and they just left. But a lot of times what we don't understand is very simply this. They were in their 30s. The disciples were in their 30s. That if you were ever, the highest calling of a Jewish young man would be to be tutored or come underneath a rabbi. And that usually occurred. They were picked by the rabbi. You couldn't just go, but you were picked by the rabbi when you were between 13 and 15. And then he would say, you come and follow me. And then you were one of his disciples. And so when you look at the disciples with Jesus, the highest position a parental pride could have would be to be a underneath a rabbi. Jesus comes around and these guys are fishermen. They have been passed over so many times that they're Literally 15 years beyond the age of being picked. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Come and be my disciples. Jesus calls everybody has given up on you, but guess what? God hasn't given up on you. It's never too late. You're never too old. That God has a plan for your life. And that is why they left their nets. They're like, oh my gosh. And, and notice the dad didn't object, and the dad didn't say, wait a minute. You're my next generation. He's like, you go because Jesus is a rabbi. You know, you look in the New Testament and what was revolutionary. That Jesus was meeting people in their practical needs, in their practical needs. I'm here to say today that to the degree that we can connect with our practical needs with God is that when we see him in a much more profound, in a much deeper, in a much bigger way, because it just we're just like, oh my gosh, we're absolutely, oh my gosh. And the reason God did it is because he cares. God cares. You know, when when he met needs, it was to cause courage in them to leap in God greater than it had ever leapt before. And that's what was going on. He was incredibly personal. And it, I think what it does is it takes our faith when we realize that God wants to meet our need right now, whatever your need is, it takes your faith from the abstract out. There to right here. It takes it to right here. It's no longer just something that's out there, but it's right here. God is wanting a relationship. With with us that it complete with trust, with emotions, with awareness, with passion for him, and a dependence upon him in our life. That's what he's wanting. And that is the underlying story of the New Testament in living color. If you look at what transpired, we hear a lot about today, and I'm I'm of the faith camp. How many of you are faith people? I'm of the faith. You say, what do you mean? I believe God God is faithful to meet me right where I'm at. He'll meet all of my needs. How many of you are with me on that? But what we have to realize very simply is this. I totally agree. But the foundation that me having faith in God is that there's an overwhelming awareness on the inside of me that God cares about me. He cares about me thank you, honey. I appreciate that. I said, God cares about me. Yes. He cares about me. God cares about every one of us. You know, we're all going to have times that we don't understand. We don't get it. We thought it was going to go. We figured it would go. It didn't go that way. And the underlying foundation of our faith is, is that, God, I know that you care about me. You care. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But Lord, you're smarter than I am. You see more than I see. You're bigger. And I trust in your care when it's painful. I trust in your care when I don't understand. I trust in your care when I'm having to stand longer than I thought I was going to have to stand. Lord, the anchor of my life is I trust in your care for me. God, I trust in your care. Yes, we have promises from God, and they're very specific to to our lives. Maybe it's healing, maybe it's provision, maybe it's peace, maybe it's something relational in your life right now, maybe it's freedom maybe it's joy maybe it's overcoming a habit or overcoming a struggle in your life and we're going to talk about all of those but what we've got a very what we have to anchor on is this is all of that is built on the foundation that god cares mm-hmm. i said god cares and i you get around a lot of believers today and it's almost like this struggle that if you're in a spot right now I'm just going to tell you straight up what is going to see you through is an overwhelming awareness when you're when you're feeling to go sideways how many of you are with me on that that God you care I know that you care God you care look at what it says in Hebrews 2 verse 17 and 18 and this is the amplified it says so it is evident that it was essential that he, speaking of Jesus, see a capital letter, be made like his brethren or sister in all of us in every respect, in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic, and faithful high priest in the things related to God, to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sins. Now look at verse 18. For because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry of assist and relieve those who are being tempted, tested, and tried and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. Notice what it said in just straight terms. God said, I made Jesus in a body like y'all have. You say, that's Texas. God's tech from Texas. How many of you know? It's, it, it, like you all have, so that he could relate to you and that he feels and understands everything that is going on in your life. That is one of the reasons that, that God put him in a body. Think about this for a moment. In the religious day, the woman caught in adultery. The law said, "Stoner." They bring her to Jesus. Jesus ignores him for a period of time. Then he says, he or she that's without sin, cast the first stone. And then he bends down. Everybody leaves. And Jesus' words are very simply this. Where are your accusers, ma'am? She said, they're gone, my Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Speaking of what she had been caught in before. It is like God is, he cares. The centurion is not even a Jew, and it, 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 he doesn't have the pedigree, he's not even a Jew, but Jesus heals his son, the guy at the pool of Bethesda, when you think that nobody else sees, he's been at this pool as a paralyzed person for over 30 years, and he's he's been in that same spot, and, and, and basically, I'm sure that on the inside, that what's saying is nobody knows, and nobody really cares, he He was all into the works of you know when an angel comes down once a year and touches the water that the first person in gets healed. Jesus passes over everybody in the room. He passes over everybody out there, and he touches this guy. And I want to tell you this: God will pass over everybody because He cares about us. God cares about us, y'all. He cares. You know the ten lepers they got cleansed and Jesus said just recognize that God loves you John 3:16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the religious leaders, it's not about mind games or performance, but it's about the heart. And I want to say right now, you know, the longer you've been a Christian, I think it's absolutely awesome. But the underlying foundation, when you talk about your needs, when you talk about something going on in your life that you need God, the underlying foundation has to be, God, you care about me. Lord, I know that you care about me. Lord, I know that you're touched with my struggles. God, I know that you know where I'm at. And even though I don't get it, even though maybe right now I'm having to stand, that God, you see, you know, and you care. Look at what it says in, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Galatians 4, 4 through verse 7. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that, now look at this statement, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Think about that statement, adoption. God sent Jesus because he cares about you so much that he wants to adopt you. That's what the Bible says. It's not what I say. It's what the Bible says. God is all about adoption. He's all about adoption. Look at what it says in verse 6. And because we are his children, God has sent forth his the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out abba father that word abba there's no equ- english equivalent language or description for it it's an incredibly affectionate term for a loving father now we are no longer now you are no longer a slave but god's own children and since you are his child god has made you his heir you know God, y'all, God is not in to the religious business. He's into the adoption business. He's into the adoption. And when we realize how much he cares and that he sent Jesus to pay for our mistakes so that we could be adopted. You know, many of you know, you've heard me. I've, I've probably shared too many stories about myself, but I'm from a family of 16 kids. And that when I was um, 15 years old, my parents got a divorce. And by the time I was 17 years old, we had eight kids in our family. And by the time I was um, 17 years old, my mom met another gentleman and she married him and he had seven kids that were close with him. And then they came together and decided that they were gonna have one more. So eight and seven and one, what does that equal? 16 kids. And I did not. One of the biggest things in my life that I realized is um, my biological father took frugal to a whole new phase. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you? He, my, he was. He, he was my my biological father was. It was absolutely, totally. I mean, frugal in regard to. Uh, I could just hear stories, and he was just like. But what I realized is that as soon as my mom married my stepdad, who we later called dad, Dan, the very first thing that changed in our house was our diet. Okay, I to this day have a chip wound. Do you know what a chip wound is? being denied chips as a kid. And so now when I go to the grocery store, I buy 10 bags of chips. How many of you are with me? And my wife says, she says, what are all these chips for? I said, we need them. How many of you know what I'm saying? She said, there's so many varieties of chips in here. I said, baby, we need them. She said, we don't have any kids at home. We can't eat all these chips. And I said, baby, you watch. We will eat all these chips. So now when any of our kids or their mates come over, they know we have a plethora of chips in our thing. You say, why is that? It's called a chip wound. How many of you know what I'm saying? Because I was raised in a home that it was like every day, let let me just, and I'm not, I still love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but it was two two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, one piece. It was always an apple or a banana that was absolutely destroyed by the time you made it to lunch in a lunch bag. How many of you remember the brown bags in a lunch bag? Bag And by the time lunch came around, I lived in Huntington Beach, California. The sandwich was rolled into something about twice the size of a golf ball. How many of you know what I'm saying? And the jelly was bleeding through it, and you rolled it back out, and you ate it with your piece of fruit. That was my life. It was healthy. Praise God. I'm grateful. But I, we got bologna about one time every two months. Bologna. Bologna was like prime rib. How many of you are with me on that? It was like, oh my gosh, we got baloney. You know what I'm saying? My mom marries my stepdad. And what I immediately realized is, oh my gosh, this is is what heaven must be like. Because he owned six donut shops. He would go to the place to get all of his stuff and he would pick up, pick us up boxes of pizza crusts and cheese and all of this stuff and bring it back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never realized. And it, the very, so you say, what was the first thing about your stepdad? The food was incredible. The food was absolutely incredible. But I want to tell you something. I didn't find out till I was 19 years old that when my dad and my mom got divorced, my dad said to my mom, I will never give you a dime for those children. They're your children. When my stepdad married my mom, And when I found out, I had, I said something to my mom and my mom said, Dan always treated you like you were his own children and he told me this in private. When I married you, your children became my children and I will take care of whatever they need, never once. And I'm just going to tell you, he wasn't saved and we weren't saved and we were a mess. Are you with me on that? And, and we, were in, we were in absolute mess. But what he did is he stepped in. He married my mom uh, and we all became basically, it was almost like, and, and, then, and then when the last kid turned 18, my dad reappeared because he thought, oh, you know, but it was too late by then. But I want to tell you something. He stepped in and he just basically said, I'm going to cover this. I'm going I'm to adopt this. Ephesians 1, 5 says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God adopted us. And the underlying foundation we got to get in our heart, in our relationship with him, is he deeply cares about every one of us. Deeply cares. Deeply cares when you're going through it. Deeply cares. We just read the verse, Jesus was made in a body like you have, so he could relate to your pain. He could relate to when you're going through it. Look at what it says in Romans 8. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him, there's that word again, Abba, Father. I wanna tell you something. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life with every wrinkle, with every, everything he got, he looked and he said, I picked you, I adopted you, and I deeply care about you. Deeply care. Never forget it. Some people, it's almost like they talk about God in the abstract. No, God is here right now. Every day, he openly demonstrates his care for each in every one. This is foundational to everything about God. And I'm just going to make the statement, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You can have the best dad in the world, but they will never compare to the goodness of God over your life. He's he, and, and we've got to come to the spot in our life. Did I... I I never gave you a title, did I? God cares. Everybody say, God cares. God cares. He cares. What's going on right now in your life? What's happening in your life right now? The underlying foundation that you must have is he cares about me. He knows everything. He sees everything. And he's leading your life. Some struggle with believing that God will come through. And one of the primary reasons ours is, is that they don't know how much God cares and that he's adopted them. They don't know. They don't realize how much. And until we really know this, a relationship with God is gonna be belabored rather than a natural affection and a deep connection within our life. Until we come to the spot where it is an awareness, it is going to be a belabored relationship. The purpose of Jesus was to pay for my mistakes, to reveal how much God loves me, to give me the option of adoption in my life, where I could say, yes, God, I choose you. And that changes everything. Look at what it says in John 1, verse 12. But to as many as did receive, Receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, and the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. Notice the statement: as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Many of you don't know our story, my wife and I's story before we came here is we lived in Southern California and I knew that God was nudging me on the inside. Something you say, how did you know? I didn't know what it was, but on the inside, there was just a little unrest on the inside. And, um, and I said to my wife one day, I said, life is too easy here. That's what I said to her. And she's like, how many of you know, don't tell your wife that because she was like, what's going on? What are you doing? I said, I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like, and when we decided to move to Michigan from Southern California, life in California was incredibly easy on me, on us. It was not difficult. It was like, it was just smooth. It was really easy, and I remember that our neighbors, we had these adopted grandparents, and their name was Ray, Ray and Marie, but we called her Marie, and they had adopted us. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you, if you got kids, you need to pray for neighbors like this. She would come over two or three times a week to us and say to us don't you want to go out on a date would you love for me to watch the kiddos tonight and we're like yeah yeah you know what i'm saying and we got free babysitting whenever we wanted and and i remember that they became like our 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 parent surrogate grandparents and when we told them we were moving they cried and they said this could we come with you <laughs> and we're like and we, we both looked at each other and they said we would consider that. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? And so but they said this is what they said. They said, "Maybe you should keep your house here because you don't know how it's going to work out in Michigan." And I and I looked at them and I thought, "Hmm, interesting thought. Never had that thought." And they said, you should keep your house. Have you ever lived someplace where it was cold? And I said, I went to school in Oklahoma. And it's cold in Oklahoma. And they looked and they said, you have no idea what you're getting into. And I remember I stopped and I said, you know what? Lord, I know that you care about me. I know that you're leading me. And that is enough for my life the the foundation and the bedrock of our life is when things are going great when things are not going well when there's everything in between is that God cares about you he's adopted you he has a plan for you and yes we need to apply the word to our life renew our mind Stand in faith, but the foundation, very simply, is this: As much as I know my name is Mike, I know that God deeply cares about me. He's adopted me, and He's got me in my life. Look at what it says in John, First John chapter three, verse one. So what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown us that we would be permitted to be named and called and counted children of God. And so we are. For this world, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Y'all, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your savior, you've been adopted and adoption changes everything. I don't know how long you've known the Lord, Maybe you're here today and you've never even asked him to come into your life. I want to tell you the most profound thing that he wants to work into the inside of you is he knows where you're at. He cares deeply about you. And when you don't understand, he has a plan and he wants you to trust him with your life. Stand to your feet if you would. Sometimes in our life, we can get so mechanical. Okay, what do I need to do? I'm all about doing. How many of you doers are out there? I'm a doer. I like like the plan. But the underlying foundation and the security that comes from knowing God cares about you. You say, you know, my situation this week went sideways. I want to tell you, God cares about you. He's bigger than anyone you've ever been around the Bible says he's ordering your steps the Bible says he's gone ahead of you to prepare a place for you and let me just tell you he's faithful to his word he's faithful to come through but the underlying foundation that he wants you to stand on is that he loves you and he cares about you it doesn't matter who forsakes you if God is for you it doesn't matter who's against you he He's greater than anybody else. He's faithful to his word. You say, I have this problem. Guess what? You've been adopted by God, and he cares about you. And if he cares about you, understand everything is temporary, and he is a good God. That's right. He's really good. I wonder today you're here, and your whole perspective of God has been do's and don'ts. Your whole perspective of God is I don't measure up. Your whole perspective of God is all on your performance and not on his love and his care for you. We're going to get into him. We're going to unpack. Okay, how do I walk out seeing the Lord meet my need? Whether it's natural provision, whether it's healing in my life, relational in my life the foundation is is in it you cannot replace it the foundation is god loves me and god cares about me and so guess what he's got me he knows what's going on in my life maybe you're here right now and you've never accepted jesus as your savior you've never maybe you've never understood that your whole perspective of god has been all about do's and don'ts God is not about do's and don'ts. Realize this, the reason of the Ten Commandments is because God wanted to keep us from self-destructing. He wanted to protect us from ourself. How many of you know that if you're left to yourself, you could just create a big mess? He wanted to keep us, but what happens in our life is we look and we say, oh, God gave a list, so it must mean that the list is what's important to him. No, the relationship is what's important to him every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never come to a spot where you said, Lord, I need you. I choose you today. I invite you into my life. And Lord, I come underneath and into your family. Every head bowed, every eye closed, that's you. I want to pray with you right where you're at. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand to the Lord. By lifting your hand, you're saying, I choose to come out of a comfortable place. And Jesus, I put you first in my life. That's you. One, two, this is your moment. Three, lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, God. Yes, thank you. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe in your goodness, in your love. You came and you willingly went to the cross to pay for my mistakes. And I'm asking you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I give you my life. The past... I invite you into my present and I'm going to trust you're going to lead my future. Help me, God, to know you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.